all, welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we are doing on Thursday afternoon. Joining us from Dallas, Texas, we attended Dirk Nowitzki's Jersey Retirement Ceremony on Wednesday night. Out of COVID protocols is Band McMahon. Howdy, partners, and, and the Mavericks with a defensive performance to honor Dirk, the, the suddenly defensively dominant Dallas Mavericks. <laughs> 82 straight- points. Hey, five straight opponents, five straight opponents under 100, three straight under 90. The Mavericks on a four-game win streak. Um, when I saw that the, the 82 points by the Warriors, I thought it was a halftime score. Yeah, um, it was. And and look, uh, obviously, Steph feels like he had better looks than five of 24. He's in a, a, a pretty nasty a qual- little funk. He's got a quad injury. I think he's going to sit for at least yeah. a game. Yeah, bang, bang, got a, a knee to the quad last night. Um, so not not the Warriors' finest work, but a heck of a night for the Mavericks, both during and certainly after the game. And joining us from New York City, where he is going to the Knicks tonight. Is that right, Tim Bontemps? That is correct. I'm looking at Madison Square Garden right now. Going to go see uh, Knicks Celtics in a few hours. Um, should, be, should be fun. Always fun to go to a game at the Garden. Man, big city I, bond temps. I, I don't, I don't love talk because our pods come out a little bit after we record them. I don't love talking about games the night before, even though we do it all the time. But I would say, if you can find it, and I know that uh, Worldwide Wob posted the the clip. If you want a good laugh, if you need a pick me up from your day, you should go find the last five seconds of the Celtics Spurs game. <laughs> um, it because- was an adventure. You could argue that you could probably make a case that multiple players were intentionally not trying to win the game. I know that that's not what happened. I know that they're trying to win, but a couple of things happened where you said, there's no way that could have happened on purpose. And it did. I'll just leave it at that. Um, So hopefully a better performance from the Celtics, the game you're going to tonight. Certainly hopefully for their sake. And and what is uh, Wednesday night's game was a continuation of what's been a pretty frustrating season for Celtics fans. I would say, as we talked about last week on the pod. So five weeks from today, guys, five weeks from yesterday for our listeners is the trade deadline. And um, it started. And I got to say, this is a, what I'm about to say is a first world thing, but like, I, this is my 19th NBA season and I've been sort of actively covering the trade deadline for about like 16 of those years. And the amount of time that will be wasted in my life over this next month, having inane conversations about stuff, it's, it's soul sucking. Um, as I talk to agents and, and, co- and uh, coaches and executives about possible trades it's soul sucking. 99% of it is nothing, which is I'm sure how teams feel when they have trade conversations because 99% leads to nothing. Um, That said, you know, as we sit here, guys, there's a whole bunch of teams sort of sitting in the middle. There's a a, a number of teams that have big decisions to make, and I don't know which way they're going to go. And guys, I have no idea what's going to happen by February 10th. I really, really don't know. And we're going to talk about some of the teams that other that other executives are talking about and looking at um, and some of the decisions coming. Like, I wish I could say, oh, yeah, it's going to be a real active deadline or no, it's not going to happen. But I, I just don't know. And the people that I'm talking to don't know either. So um, we're going to talk about it. And, you know, where I thought we would start is with um, it's with the Atlanta Hawks who they did get a win on Wednesday night in Sacramento, a much needed win. Um, they're, they're COVIDed and banged up and Nate McMillan, their coach hasn't even been with them. They're on this West coast trip. Their next game was against the Lakers on Friday night. Um, Sacramento is a really good place to go. If you need a win right now too. Talk about an awful, talk about an awful loss for the Kings. You know, I saw, I saw tweets last night. I didn't even see the final score. I saw tweets about this. Is the first time Terry Saliburton and De'Aaron Fox has scored 20 in a game together and i was like i have a feeling that's a lost tweet and then i went and looked i said oh yeah that's a lost tweet that's not uh yeah. not great all right well i don't want to talk about too much about wednesday night's games but um they're not doing well the hawks i believe are three or four games under 500 they spent 400 million dollars um and last off season coming off the conference finals um because they really love this team and 
already for the last couple of weeks, there's been some chatter amongst executives that I've talked to. Like, you know, the Hawks, I think the Hawks are going to do something. I think the Hawks are going to do something. And that wasn't like rocket science insight. When a team's underachieving like that, you think about that. Mm-hmm. And then Travis Schlenk, their team president, uh, went on. Uh, I don't know if he's president or vice president of basketball operations, but the guy who makes the big decisions right. went on to a radio show in Atlanta uh, and just had like a a he just he just put it all out there, like some of the most raw quotes you'll see from an in season, like you know sometimes you see you'll you'll see quotes from a from a lead executive about decisions that have been made in the past. And they'll be like really like strong. I mean, Pat Riley is awesome at this. Like he sits down at the end of the year and he'll review the last or he'll make predictions about the future. And it's awesome. But for a general manager to give an on the record audio uh, interview in the middle of something is unusual. And the quote that I mean, he said a lot of stuff, but the quote that like rang through was this one. Maybe it wasn't such a great idea to bring everybody back, and that's on me. We have a few weeks here. I'm going to say that one more time. Maybe it wasn't such a great idea to bring everybody back. <laughs> you know, like, a, like I can picture ex- executives who are Travis's friends in the league, and even if they're not Travis's friends, even other people who are like his peers going, Travis, no, no, yeah, Travis, calm no, down. don't do that. Um, maybe it wasn't such a great idea to bring everybody back. Hmm. Anyway, we have a few weeks here at the trade deadline, and that's what I need to figure out. And it's you know, my that, respons- I'm sorry, go ahead. It's my responsibility to put a product on the floor that can win. Right now, I'm questioning whether or not I have done that. Oh, he did just get an extension. So he's he does have, you know, some some. Well, everybody there just got extensions. They just they gave Nate, Nate McMillan after last year's playoff run. They gave him a long term deal. Travis has a long term deal. They signed a bunch of players, a long term deal. So everybody is there for a while. That's sort of the thing. Right. They've they've got they've put themselves in a position where after last year's playoff run, they're like, hey, we feel really good about our team. We think we can take a step forward. And instead, through a combination of play on the court and issues out of their control, mm-hmm. they've disappointed and now you're in a situation where like a lot of these teams in this sort of morass in the east from like five or six in the conference all the way down to 12 or 13 you kind of look at all of them and say you're not really sure um what direction they're headed in because on one day they look like a team that could be a top four seed in the east and the next day they look like they're not going to be in the playing tournament and and i i was at uh, i was in atlanta uh for the season opener and you know went to their practice the day before and the, the vibe there, because I'm thinking, okay, hey, this young team coming off of an Eastern Conference uh, finals run, um, you know, you, you think, okay, can that be a springboard for this team? Was that like, you know, the, the opening of a window? And, and, and the vibe that I got there was very much that there was a concern of, you know, fathead syndrome. Like these guys feeling like they've arrived, they've, they've accomplished something, um, you know, concern about, uh, the, the motivation concern, you know, Nate McMillan really was hammering the, you know, the, the, the concept of, we need guys to sacrifice. You know, there's, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of guys and only so many minutes in the rotation. And so I, I was a little bit surprised that it, it seemed like there was so much concern about, about chemistry, about motivation, about, you know, is this group going to be complacent? Um, and I would say there's been a lot of factors, you know, like everybody in the league, COVID injuries, et cetera, et cetera. But I think those concerns have uh, have reared their ugly heads. Well, the thing well, about they got it, off, man, is- they got off to a terrible start, and then they right. stabilized, and it was like, okay, they've gotten past the some of the stuff early on, and then they've gone right back down again. Uh, injuries have contributed to it. COVID has contributed to it, but clearly, with what Travis said, it's not in a spot right now. And if you're the owner. I mean, Tony Ressler, their owner, he has mm-hmm. always made it known like he wants to push. He he you know, he's one of these guys that he wants to win and he wants to win as fast as possible. And he's put his money where his mouth is on that. And if right. I just spent four hundred million dollars to upgrade, you know, to, to keep this roster together and I was looking at this team, I wouldn't be thrilled at all. Yeah. Well, and, yeah. and look, they they they're second in offense and they're 26th in defense. Right. So. Yes, the injuries have been an issue. Yes, COVID has been an issue. But the defense has been a huge issue and one they have to rectify. And the thing, to go back to Tim's point about how they were in the preseason, 
I was around Atlanta a bunch during the playoffs because I was covering the East and they got to the conference finals. And for as great as that run was, the thing people may not realize is they did it with a bunch of guys out, right? Cam Reddish barely played because yes. he had an Achilles issue. DeAndre Hunter, who has been a big part you know, of what they were hoping to do and has looked great the past few years when he's been on the court, but he's been hurt a ton. He didn't play at all um, because of injuries or hardly played. And so they came into this season knowing that for all the success they had last year, they were doing that while then having to add in a couple guys in Yeko Okongwu, their, their young rookie big. He missed a bunch of time with injuries. So they had all these extra guys that were adding to this team. And I think they knew coming into the year there was going to have to be some work done to try to make everybody happy. Um, and, you know, that work has not gone the way they would have wanted it to. I think it's safe to say. And it's one of several reasons why they've struggled. Okay, so when you talk to executives out there, they often mention the name Cam Reddish. Um, yep. You know, top 10 pick, uh, has been up and down, had injuries, has had moments this year where you're like, wow, and other moments where you're like, oh. And they have depth, a lot of depth, and um, they, you know, he is due an extension at the end of this season. And their payroll is not, like right now, they have the 25th highest payroll. So you'd say, oh, they can, they can afford to pay him. But you, that, that's before you realize that the Trey Young number is coming on next right. year. So, you know, I'm not sure how far they're willing to go. I'm not so sure they're, they're looking to, to, to spend a whole bunch more money. Now, Danilo Gallinari's salary for next season is not fully guaranteed. And if they wanted to, they could make some room there. I just think there's a belief out there that maybe they're, they're not, right now committed to giving Reddish the type of contract he's looking for. And so he potentially could be on the move. Uh, I have heard that. Well, um, also they've, they've paid other young wings and you're only going to pay so many, you know, so yeah. many players at, at uh, you know, the, the wing positions they've paid. And they just money. feel like it. They just feel like a team that's in need of a consolidation trade too. Right. Like if you have, yeah. if you're in a situation where you might have too many guys, that's like a perfect scenario to try to move two or three guys to get a guy at some point, whoever it is, right? Like they feel like a team that's right to at least try to do that, whether they can is another story. Yeah. And so it, it, Reddish only makes four and a half million bucks. So, mm -hmm. you know, you got to be careful, you know, when you start to compound what you could get for him, first off, I think they'd be in the market for defensive players, uh, defensive uh, perimeter players. They did. Yeah, so I'll uh, go back to the second in offense and 26th in defense. As, right. You know, they, you know what, they, that's the end of the court where they need to work on things. You you say that, but their other major issue is they are an elite offensive team with Trey Young on the court and awful when he's not on the floor. They completely Fair. fall off a cliff when when Trey Young is uh, is not on the court. Which then you get into okay, you really got to push his minutes up, and then you're concerned about you know his durability, especially at his size, all those kind of things. So I I, I think you could also make an argument for them getting some kind of a guy who can who can run the second unit, um, even if it's not a defensive upgrade. To your point, Tim, just because I looked it up, when Trey Young is on the court, the uh, the Hawks have a one seventeen offensive rating and a one fourteen point seven defensive rating, both really good and really bad. Yep. And when Trey is off the court, their offensive rating is one hundred point nine, and their defensive rating is one hundred five point four. So right. while the defense gets better. The offense goes off a complete cliff. And to your point, that that's obviously a huge problem, also. So yeah. So when you talk to teams out there, you you know, I'm not sure these there have been offers, but when you talk to teams, they will say that they look for Reddish to potentially be packaged with Delon Wright, who's mm -hmm. in the last year of a contract making eight and a half million, and or Solomon Hill, who's in the last year of contract. He's or he's on a minimum. Um, potentially Lou Williams, although I haven't heard that. But you're looking for uh, um, or Gorgie Jang. Right. You're looking for, um, a, a, you know, some other salary to potentially attach there. Um, if they straight trade Reddish away, there's a possibility they could be looking for a draft pick. But that doesn't solve um, that doesn't solve the, the, the challenge that uh, Travis Slank was talking about. Uh, OK, so another team that, um, you know, you're out there, you know, you're out there looking at and is getting discussed in the league. Um, are the uh, are the Trailblazers? Um, the Trailblazers, um, you know, obviously are having a terrible season. Uh, mm -hmm. They've they've shut down uh, Dame uh, with the abdominal injury, I think, for the third time. Um, they are completely going the wrong direction. Um, after uh, they had a <laughs> 
they had a, an eventful game against the Heat the other night where a couple of guys got thrown out of the game. Um, uh, Yurkic and or Nurkic and uh, Tyler Hero exchanging blows. Um, Tyler Hero pushing pushing Nurkic from behind. I know Spolster really does not approve of that sort of activity. I mean, he was awfully <laughs> upset when uh, when Jokic pushed Morris. <laughs> yeah, well, um, <laughs> that's a great point, McMahon. Uh, Nurk or uh, uh, Nurkic hit him with an open hand, which um, I don't. I you know we'll see if there's any sort of fine or thing for that. But like, um, you know, Tyler Hero is not known for being afraid, but. When the Bosnian beast is is <laughs> bearing down on you, um, uh, you know you're lucky it was an open hand. Um, uh, Tyler Hero has, has indicated some level of fear from uh, seven foot wide shoulder Balkan dudes. I would say that. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> and and I don't blame him. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame him either. Um, so anyway, uh, so. The other night after the game, not after this game, I can't remember who they played earlier this week, but Chauncey Billups was asked. He just got back from a COVID absence. Mm-hmm. And um, it was after Chauncey's, the Atlanta game, I believe, when they oh, beat Atlanta. Atlanta. Right. They, they had a, got a much needed win against Atlanta, which precipitated yeah. Travis Schlank. But um, he said, Chauncey said, they're going to have a meeting soon, putting all their heads together. Uh, and I think it's probably going um, – so they, he, he was talking about what to do with Dame, whether they were going to um, shut him down for an extended period. And he said – "I this is again Chauncey, quote, I think that's probably going to be the route that we go if he doesn't get some kind of relief there, which yeah. makes you wonder. Uh, CJ McCollum has been out an extended period with that collapsed lung, which is um, a, not an injury that you just come springing back from. That is a serious injury that you've – got a really you know it's a, it's a it's a it's a hard recovery um it doesn't just fill back up and everything's a-okay um and when you look at it they're sitting there um in 12th place uh they're they're only a game out of the play-in right now um but they're two and 13 on the road and dame is dealing with this abdominal and cj is out you wonder if there's tankathon coming and people in the league are already watching what, you know, will Covington get traded? Will Norm Powell get traded? Um, you know, will they try to clear out some stuff because Anthony Simons is playing great to, will they clear out some, some space for him to, to sign him? You know, Nurkic is on the last year of his contract. They have not extended him. Will they look to trade him? Um, you know, these are, you know, there's, it could go either way in Portland bond temps. And uh, I guess this comes down, like they could make two major trades between now and February 10th, or they could hold firm. And if they make trades, we'll see whether it's to bring in players or to sell off players. I think they're right on the razor's edge right now. Yeah. I think they're emblematic of kind of where the league is at with the addition of the play in tournament, right? Like, you know, right now the Blazers are as far away from eighth as they are from 15th in the West. Right. And if you're in a situation where, you know, if two years, like if we go back in time two years ago when many things were different and there was no play in tournament, it'd be pretty easy to look at the Blazers situation and say they have very little chance of leapfrogging all these teams. It might make sense for them to pivot and start to look to the future. And, you know, like you said, they have Covington and Nurkic that are expiring guys. You make moves with them, maybe try to get some assets back get some younger guys in, et cetera, maybe some picks and try to retool your roster. But at the same time, you have Damian Lillard, you have CJ McCollum, you have this veteran roster and you're what two, you know, you're a game, you're a game out of 10th and you're three games out of night. And if you're the Blazers, you know, the Lakers and Clippers and Denver without all their guys, like these teams that are ahead of them are not exactly a murderer's row. Like if their team is healthy and they get to April and they finish ninth or 10th, They'll think they can win two games and make the playoffs. So cool, I they can that, sneak in in the first round and get spanked. Awesome. Well, listen, Man, let, you, let's go. Let's go all in on that. That that seems I, like a great idea. Well, listen, I'm not saying you go all in on it, but I think you look and like look at the Eastern Conference. There's six or seven teams who all have an opportunity to make the playoffs, and I think you know it's not as simple as it was a couple of years ago, where you could look at it and say, "We're not making the playoffs." Let's sell. 
right? For a lot of teams, if you can make the playoffs, especially right now when teams are still trying to recover money from the last couple years that they've lost, if you can make the playoffs and get two or three home games in the playoffs with some real money, and you can even get a game or two at home during the playing tournament and make some real money, like I could see a lot of teams going, hey, we're not going to trade off guys for a draft pick um, in the future as opposed to making a run to make it into the playing tournament and get in there. I, I think it's added – it's added a level of complexity to all these teams decision-making because it's not as simple as it used to be as far as buyers and sellers. Because right now there's only a couple of teams that are selling and they have very little to sell because they're terrible, which is why they're at the very bottom of the league. Portland's prime for a reset though. I mean, Olshay is gone. You know, the, the, I mean, I think it's fair to say that. Yeah. But does the reset come now? Well, right. that's I think the other I, thing. They have an interim executive too. Is he going to be empowered to to completely change the roster like that? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. I, I think it's to fair say. to say that the McCollum Dame backcourt has has reached its ceiling, and they had a very good run. But this is not a team like we're talking about. Maybe they can somehow sneak into the playoffs and as a as a uh, eight seven seed. Come on, um, I, Anthony Simons is is a young guard who has a lot of promise. I mean, he's blown up these last couple of games to me. And, and as you mentioned, like there's not a lot of sellers. Why would you not aggressively shop CJ McCollum when he's going to be, you know, maybe one of the, uh, one of, if not the most attractive, uh, you know, wow. uh, player, player on the trade market. Why, I, think why that opens you... up the, I think that opens up the question of how ac- attractive CJ McCollum actually is making, over thirty million dollars the next couple of years too, right? And the other thing that's interesting, Tim, to your point, well, a team that's, um, you know, a team, a, 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 a mid-market team that would have difficulty signing a player like CJ McCollum might be attracted to that Could type be. of player. Because You're still you, paying you him a lot want, of money, though. I know, but you want a guy who's under contract. You don't, you know. Mm-hmm. So, sometimes that's we true. see guys get traded who are at the end of contracts, but there's not a lot of salary cap space in the league in the short term. And then the salary cap is expected to go up in the future. So taking on money, some of these teams think there's going to be a new TV deal two, three years from now, and it could potentially um, raise the cap up. I, I think there is an appetite for McCollum out there. I just don't know if it's going to deliver them something that's going to make them better right now. And if you, if you right. remove that from the desire, if you remove that from what you're looking for, it opens up a lot more things. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call or click Ranger.com or just stop by. If only starting your fitness journey was as easy as starting this podcast. The truth is all the lift big, get big, and beach body ready in three weeks pressure stops most of us from even starting. And starting is what matters most. It's everything. Wherever you're beginning and wherever you want to be, Peloton encourages you to just start. With thousands of classes to get you moving and doing what you can, even if that's just a 10-minute low-impact class, they have those too. And when you're ready, take it up a gear with a 30-minute live DJ ride. Start with Peloton and find instructors that will keep you motivated to stay on your fitness journey. Learn the basics and build from there. Remember, doing something is everything. Get started with a Peloton bike or Bike Plus rental at onepeloton.com slash bike slash rentals. Terms apply. Well, and the other part of this that's interesting, too, is sort of for the same kind of the opposite reason I was talking about before with there not being a ton of sellers. If you're one of these teams that's sort of in this mix of a bunch of teams kind of in the same place, you might not be necessarily as motivated to give up a first round pick for a player because you might look at it and say, yeah, this guy will help us some, but we're not going to necessarily change too much from where we are if we make this trade. So are we better off just kind of ride it out and seeing if we do finish seventh or eighth as opposed to 10th or 11th? Yeah, and but not there's give another up a way future to future asset for an expiring contract, like say True. Robert Covington or Yusuf Nurkic. True, but there's another way to look at that. If there's not a lot of sellers and everybody's kind of you know standing on the wall, if you decide to sell, you can get a premium. You might be able to get a premium price. No, I agree. I just I think in general, I'm 
what is making it hard for me to get a sense of what this trade market's really going to look like is I'm not sure there's going to be a lot of motivated buyers anyway, even if there are some sellers. Like I, it, so many teams have already, a lot of the teams at the very top have traded all their picks. So they can't really trade any picks, Milwaukee, right. Brooklyn, uh, et cetera. And then you have a lot of these teams that are all in kind of the same spot in the middle that I'm not sure they're going to decide to buy or sell. They might just hold and see where they end up and then do something in the summer. Okay, I'm here's just saying team. that Port- Portland with Dame hurting and them struggling as badly as they have, to, to for them to be thinking playing as they approach the trade market is absolute insanity. They've got agree to be with thinking you. future. Agree I agree with, with you. I agree with I agree. you too completely, to be clear. If it was me, I'd be trying to trade those guys. I just don't know if that's how they are going to see it. That's all right. So speaking of a team that's in the middle, but probably has a lot higher uh, aspirations than that. The Sixers were 500 two weeks ago. Now they won five games in a row. Embiid is playing uh, some of the best basketball he's played. He's playing great. Had another terrific game Wednesday night in Orlando. Second best big Um, man in the league. (laughs) Not taking that bait. Um, Third, uh, you got Gobert ahead of him. (laughs) Not taking that bait. Um, So, the Sixers, you know, the Simmons thing, like I can't go a day without somebody asking me about Ben Simmons. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, so here's the thing. When they're sitting at 500 and they're trending that direction, that's one thing. If they, you know, and I think Tobias Harris was quoted um, saying that the team's having a great time right now. The chemistry is great. You know, everything feels good when you've won five in a row. Uh, you're around them a lot, Bontemps. Really, the, the question to me is this, because I know what Daryl Morey has said. He said, we'll wait four years. The question to me and the question that I think will decide a big part of this trade deadline, are the Sixers content with this team playing its best basketball, even if it's, it's this right now, as opposed to trading Simmons and seeing if they can upgrade. Are they willing to, are they willing to accept this level, even if this is as good as it gets? I saw Tim laughing when you, uh, when you said the four years thing, because I think, you know, we all know, there was some posturing going on there to put it mildly, but really uh, look, I, my sense on this from the beginning has been, I think everyone in Philadelphia can live with going to the deadline on this and sort of understands um, the need to not panic and make the first trade that comes across the, the desk in this situation with a guy like Ben Simmons. I think if they get to February 11th and Ben Simmons is still on the roster and not playing, um, and they haven't made a trade, it's hard for me to see how Joel Embiid is going to look at that and and go along with the plan. I, it's just – he is a super competitive guy who's playing out of his mind and is dragging this team along mm-hmm. while they've got a $35 million hole burning – uh, burning itself. There, there was actually pocket. controversy. There was actually controversy this week over the player of the month. People were like, how could Embiid win it over DeRozan? I don't think I'd ever remember people getting all up in arms about player of the month. Right. And DeMar obviously had the huge weekend hitting those two crazy shots. Right. So, and he's been amazing for the bulls, but yeah, I mean, either way, like Joel has been incredible and has dragged this team along. They had a similar brutal schedule to the Celtics in December. They survived it. They've gone on this big run. They got a big win over the, over the nets last week. Like they're, they're playing really, really well. It's just hard for me to see the big fella getting to, like I said, mid-February and them not making a deal and going, yeah, I'm cool with this. I'm cool with having a team that's just kind of in the middle of the pack in the East. Because look, if you look at where the NBA is right now, do I think the Sixers can win a championship if they make a Ben Simmons trade? Probably not. But if you have Joel Embiid on your team, you have a chance, right? He is good enough that he gives you an opportunity if you have enough pieces around him. They have no chance if they don't make a Ben Simmons trade. If they do make a Ben Simmons trade and get some real players in, they they may have a chance. So it's hard for me to see a year of his prime going by with them just, you know, sitting in this same purgatory that they're in now. I, so that, I, I mean, you know. how, how could not, how could that not be completely deflating if basically the trade deadline passes and you're like, well, I guess we're punting on this season. Yeah. This season where yeah. I'm playing at an MVP level in my prime. Uh, and I guess we're just going to, I'll tell you, know, you because, wave the white because flag. in recent times, Daryl and Embiid have been on the same page. They have been in lockstep. Well, Daryl, from been, the moment he got to Philly, has made sure that's been the case, right? Much like he was with James Harden in Houston. Like, he he understands that he needs 
Joel Embiid to be on his side. And he's, you know, made a point of being very public and having Joel, you know, backing up Joel, you know, that that's been a very obvious thing he's done from the moment he got this. One thing I want to, I want to point out because as I do radio in different markets around the country, and there's like 10 teams that think that they can trade for Ben Simmons. Daryl is Daryl, in my view, is not going to take something less than an all-star premium player in January. So if your package is, you know, whatever the Kings can offer, whatever the the um, uh, the Timberwolves can offer, whatever the Pistons can mm-hmm. offer, whatever the Cavs can offer, that's not something he's taking right now. So so put that away, put that away until you know for sure Dame or Bradley Beal or Jalen Brown, none of whom I expect to move. Until that, until those, till those deals haven't been made that first week of February, put that away. And even if he goes past the deadline, I mean, that even extends it even further in my mind. So um, to me, that's really, the, that's really the question. Do we, do we, are we willing to take a package that doesn't include a current all-star um, to help us have a single digit percentage chance of winning this year? Or do you wait it out and wait for the double digit chance, which is what Daryl has always mathematically done? Why, though, if obviously they've been shopping Simmons really since the day Daryl got there, but especially since, you know, last offseason started, if they can't find that deal before the trade deadline, like why is the market going to improve for Ben Simmons uh, as he sits out? Because like, does anybody think the trade deadline passes and suddenly he decides, OK, I'll show up like what, what's right. going to improve the market for him? And also, you got to remember, too, the market you're dealing with, right? Like, I think the people in Philadelphia are on board right now because they see, okay, the trade deadline's coming. By then, there'll be a deal. Then there'll be a couple months to get everybody ready, and then we'll get to the playoffs, right? If they don't make a trade, Philly's not exactly a uh, rational market, we'll say, right? They're not going to be like, Oh yeah, Daryl's waiting till the summer because there's a two percent greater chance he'll get a better trade in July than in February. People will be saying will be ready to storm Wells Fargo Center and be like, "What the hell are we doing? We're wasting the season with Joel." They don't call it Wells Fargo we Center. Here? What's their story well, the, with? They, they, well, the Sixers <laughs> call it the Center, it, but that's a whole. That's <laughs> this a is whole such other... a weird thing. I, j- just say that real quick. The when the when the Philadelphia Fly the Philadelphia Flyers play there, they call it Wells Fargo Center. The, the Sixers, Sixers are tenants there. They don't, there's a, they don't, they, I don't believe the issue is they don't get enough money from the deal there. Right. They don't like police agreement, whatever. They want to have their own arena. It's, right. it's the same so, nonsense. So that the Sixers are, they're sticklers for finding that better deal. They're not just going to settle for Wells Fargo. <laughs> they're not just going to settle it's, for a non star pack. It's not too dissimilar from the stuff with the Clippers and Lakers at Staples Center. It's like when you have two teams in the same building. Crypto.com, baby. Crypto.com. Come on. Oh, guys. that's right. That's right. The Crypt. I just, the crypt. I just, saw, I was in LA last week and I saw the new signage and it doesn't look right <laughs> it just doesn't look right can and, we also uh, pause but, for one second and just can we no. have a quick chat just about how absurd it was that everybody in la acted like that building was closing with the name change like what are we doing here this the building's yeah, the same. They're, oh, they're, they're, they were the all emotional they're, they're like yes. they're like they're like waving their their uh, notebooks and paper clips uh, you know in the air at, at the uh, too. everybody it was somber like, ceremony oh, center Staples Center's closing. We have to go through the top 10 moments in the history of Staples Center. It's like the building is still there. What is going on? The truth truth is everybody was on Christmas break and they were looking for something to do. But then again, sports is all about just filling the human void, which is what this was for months beforehand. It came out like a month before and everybody was talking about it forever. Anyway, point well taken. Point well taken. I don't care. Um, so we mentioned but next time he's in LA, he'll, he'll, he'll put on IG a photo. <laughs> this building has had two names since I've been coming. <laughs> Touche. Um, so uh, we mentioned briefly uh, Bradley Beal. So let me just say something. The Wizards, they had a heartbreaking loss to the Rockets. Uh, Kevin Porter Jr. hit a tough shot. They, uh, they attacked our guy, Raul Neto. Raul Neto. How do you Howell, say it? Um, Howell. Howell. Howell at the moon Neto. They, uh, they isolated him, and Porter made a tough shot over the top of him, and they lost at the buzzer. I guess it was four tenths left. The, the, after having a really nice start, the Wizards have, have leveled off, and they are now down in ninth place as we talk. They're 500 team. Bradley Beal has not extended his contract and, and said, I'm not going to extend my contract until the offseason. So the Wizards know that Bradley Beal, 
in all, all likelihood, right, in all likelihood, is going to go to free agency. Obviously, things something could happen and he could end up signing a contract before we get to July. He is able to extend until June 30th. Right. But, but when I to speak to NBA executives, one of the things that they say, and by the way, subsequently, Tommy Shepard uh, and his staff have gotten extensions. I believe Tommy, uh, the general manager or the vice president of basketball, I don't know what their titles are. Tommy's the decision maker. Wonderful man. One of the most well-liked man, men in the, in the league in the, his role. Would you agree with that, Bontemps? Yep. And has done a terrific job over the past and a great, year or so. And just, just a great guy to uh, spend time with. Wonderful yep. man. Really decent anyway, human being. He got um, he got uh, a three year, I believe it was a three year extension plus a team option. It might have been like a four year extension. So he's done a nice job there in, in his time taking over, uh, upgrading their roster. The Westbrook into Westbrook trade was a heist. Well, you <laughs> know, being able to essentially flip John Wall for flexibility and you know filling out a rotation. That, a that's neutral picks. Yeah. Yep. So here's the question that executives are starting to ask themselves. Do the Wizards, are the Wizards in a position where they want to give Bradley Beal a five-year, $200 million contract? Now, now you would think this is crazy. Do they want to be married married to mediocrity? Let's just be honest, dude. Like, they were a great, pleasant surprise getting off to a 10-3 and start, and they're right back to 500 right now. Well, I'll I'll just tell you, from spending a lot of time in Washington, where I used to work for the Post, and I spent a lot of time around Ted Leonsis, the owner of the team, uh, the answer is yes. Like I'd be pretty surprised if the Wizards did not want to extend Bradley Beal. If you look at Ted's history, he has drafted players with the Capitals and drafted players with the Wizards and then extended them and had them with the team. And he did that with John Wall. He did it with Alex Ovechkin. He did it with Nicholas Backstrom. And that's been his, that's been his driving uh you know, that's been his driving way of doing business. It's in the same thing with executives with the teams. Ernie Grunfeld ran the team for a long time. When he left, he was replaced by Tommy Shepard, who was his number two. Uh, I can't remember who the previous GM of the Capitals was, but it was the same thing. When he left, his number two guy took over. Like, Ted is a continuity guy. That's how he thinks about things. So I personally would be very surprised if the Wizards said, we don't want to pay Brad. Like, everything they've done since Tommy's took over has been geared toward having Brad stay there for the long term and extending okay. and being there for a long time. Okay. But what if you, what if you're, cons- what if you're concerned about him not staying? I mean, are you just letting the trade deadline pass and just being like, we'll deal with it in July. Well, but that's a different, that's a different question. You asked, are the wizards, well, they're asking do the wizards want to be married to Bradley Beal. That's a different question than are they worried about him not resigning? You, you better at least figure out, you better at least figure out what, uh, you know, what the market is, what deals are on the table. The Wizards are likely going to finish under 500 for the fourth straight year. Uh, if, if Beal right now is basically saying, hey, I'm open to considering all my options, I think it's, I think that's a pretty clear warning sign that uh, he's likely to be leaving in free agency. Like, you know, maybe they're, maybe, look, the, the answer could be they explore their options and they feel like, hey, there could be sign and trade uh, opportunities that are better than well, that's what's on one the table thing. Now. Good point. Good point, McMahon. There's not a lot of cap space out there this summer. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hitch, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's ever up there, whether it's the roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit DirecTV.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. The NFL schedule drops this week, and you can be there to catch all the action live and in person with Vivid Seats. Experience every touchdown, every tackle, every eye-popping play of your favorite team. And to kick it off, Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP. Download the app or visit vividseats.com today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. Uh, 
and and I'm not sure, and I, I you know I'm not sure who's on Beal's wish list if he were to want to leave, but uh, there's not a lot of teams that are ready to roll that have cap space unless you want to include the Grizzlies and they don't even have enough. They wouldn't have enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't see him going to Memphis. Um, so, and you know, who, why would, what do the Grizzlies need? Uh, McMahon, uh, what do the Grizzlies need deal for? They already have a top five backcourt, right? <laughs> there you um, go. So, um, tell you what, old jo- hey, old John Morant has not made that opinion look bad since we've had our last podcast. John I'll, Morant I will note that. has in the last two weeks or whatever, I can't remember when the, when the game was, uh, uh, was it at You're talking about Phoenix? the Suns? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So in the last two weeks, he has hit two of the most highest difficulty game winners. The, the one in Cleveland didn't like win the game, but it was in the final minute. Basically his, co- same play, different size, different hand. Yeah. And his heel was like, uh, uh, an inch off the ground coming back down. He shot over a seven footer above the box and banked it in. It was crazy. And then he made a steal uh, and breakaway that and sealed the game. Runner up for Cajones Factor Player of the Week last week, which you can find on my Instagram at ESPN underscore McMahon <laughs> and front runner so far for uh, for this week's award. Look at, okay, look at this the, guy. The Stay most prestigious promoter. Damn right. The most prestigious <laughs> weekly honor in the NBA. <laughs> oh lordy i never thought i'd ever say this about mcmahon Bontemps, but he's too online he's too online listen he, he's, he's because the ideas. videos no. the videos are going to his head they're going no, to his head yeah, I, I love the videos that's right let's <laughs> let's hey while we're at it we're, do, we're doing a weekly youtube video we got to promote that you thing. want to tease I mean, you want to tease what we're going to talk about buddy that's right it's your idea we have a we have the hoop collective weekly short that will be on uh youtube and will be on our twitter feeds uh yeah. it'll come out friday friday uh, what are we talking way, about big man give a tease yeah we are uh, in in the spirit of dirk Nowitzki's uh jersey retirement ceremony last night which superstars are most likely to be one team and one team only in well today's bond temps bond temps we're not going to give it away, but Bontemps thinks Beal might be on that list because uh, he thinks uh, the Wizards are going to go for it. Oh, but I have heard nothing on Bradley Beal in the trade market. His name hasn't been mentioned at all. Well, the weird so, thing about things right now is that with COVID over the past few weeks, I think you yeah. guys would agree. And talking to people around the league, it's like everybody's just been like, Desperately trying to survive over the past three weeks, yeah, and like just they're, filling they're out scrambling rosters. to fill out the yeah, they're scrambling. To I mean, not that the there's zero that talk, night. right? Not that there's zero talk, but I the trade talk in general is far less than normal over the past few weeks because of the just pure chaos that the league has been in. True, but I have felt it this week. This week, as I've said, the uh, beginning of the inane conversations in my ears have begun, which is also um, coincided with COVID. Not completely going away, but we're certainly past the point where half the league is struggling well, to fill out rosters. Let's be careful about assuming. Well, um, I just mean as of right now. Obviously, that could yeah. change again. But we just want uh, we're just happy that our boy McMahon is has kicked Omicron's behind. The number number one number one exit from protocols we're worried about. Right. Back in the saddle, uh, baby. So let's let's go over a few more teams here. Uh, a team that I think is uh, likely to be active, already made one deal, the Cleveland Cavs. Unfortunately for them, um, they had three good guards in uh, Rubio, uh, uh, Colin Sexton, and Darius Garland. Two of them were out for the year. And they're in deep need of help on the perimeter because their interior, their front court is um, among the best in the league. And um, they did the deal for for Rajon Rondo, and maybe that works. Uh, Maybe Rondo plays well over the next month and they hold Pat. I don't know whether they should do that, but here's the thing about the Cavs. Number one, they have Rubio's contract, which is like 16 or 17 million that they'd be willing to trade. Number two, they're going to apply for a designated or a disabled player exception for Rubio, which Bontemps, that'll be like, if they get it, which I'm sure they will, it'll be like six or 7 million or something like that. Yeah. Around um, seven, eight, something like that. It's half okay. his salary, I believe, which is things are something somewhere just south of 10. Half the salary up to the average player salary. Right. Which is around 10 too. So. Wendy, you mentioned a guy in our group chat who I think would be a great fit yeah. for Cleveland. Well, let me just say real quick. Let me just say what the Cavs got. The Cavs are hard capped because they received Larry Markin, Larry Markin in the um, in the uh, right. They uh, signed a restricted free agent and a sign and trade, so they're yeah. They signed a free so, agent and a sign and trade, so, so they're hard capped. They can use a DPE 
from Rubio and then trade Rubio as long as they do it in that order, but they can't, they got to be careful how much they spend. And I point something out. They have, they have their, their first round pick this year, which they could lottery protect and probably use it. They have their, they have the Houston Rockets second round pick this year, which is going to be maybe 32, 33, 34. So a valuable mm-hmm. second round pick. And they have the San Antonio Spurs second round pick this year, which will likely be in the thirties or very low forties. So they have two quote unquote good seconds, potentially their pick and Rubio contract. People have speculated whether they would trade Colin Sexton. I don't think they're looking to do that at all. I think they want to re-sign him and bring him back. Um, but just, okay, McMahon, go ahead. No, the guy you mentioned, and this is a guy who obviously we, we've talked about a lot in terms of uh, somebody I think can, can help a contender, somebody I think will not have a, a problem fitting in on another team. That's Eric Gordon uh, with the Rockets, who – you know, he's, he's a guy who is used to playing uh, off of off of stars, a guy who you don't need to run a lot of plays. He's a great floor spacer, you know, can also uh, create a little bit, but you don't need to run stuff for him. Um, is still a solid defender, and he, he's quietly having a really, really good year in Houston. Yeah, I mean, so McMahon, tell me, so Gordon has a really, in my mind, a very attractive contractual situation. He right. is guaranteed one more year at $20 million, which – you know, that's not chump change, but you know, if you look at his numbers, you know, he's shooting for uh, 46% on threes, he's shooting 50, 49% overall. Yeah. I know he's not the best defensive player in uh, NBA history. Uh, but he he's, can... he's a, listen, ask Donovan Mitchell about his defense. Go, you know, that was a few years ago, but go back and look yeah, at that playoff series. He's, he's, he's a some, solid defensive player. He, he's got some issues with his knee. He's owed $20 million next year. And, and if you were to trade an expiring contract to the Rockets, that would save him $20 million. They're going young. And then let's say you get Gordon and he's terrible. Let's say, I mean, whether it's the Cavs or somebody else and you don't like him, well, then he's an expiring contract next year. Let's say you get Gordon and he's great for you. He, there's a team option, or I guess it's a non-guaranteed year. Well, it's only, it's guaranteed if he becomes an all-star, which obviously is not going to happen. Or if you win a championship. Which, you know, if you win a championship, you're willing to pay that price. Right. It'll be worth so, the money, yes. Yeah. So let me ask you this. How willing do you think the Rockets are to trade Gordon? And if they do trade him, will it be to get off of his salary? Or, I mean, wh- where do you think that market would be, for the Cavs or somewhere else? I, I, I think, you know, I can't speak to what they'd be looking for in compensation. I don't, I don't get the sense that they're eager to dump Eric Gordon. I, you know, I, I do think they'd have to feel like they're getting value in return. Um, they value what about him. their second round pick. Would they like to have that pick back? The, you know, <laughs> they could I draft another be, 19 that, year old. I think <laughs> there you go. I think that would at least be uh pretty interesting. And you know, the other thing, Rafael Stone does want to have a reputation as somebody who tries to do right by players. And clearly, Eric Gordon's at a point in his career where he would prefer to be playing for a playoff team, he'd prefer, right to be playing for a contender and is trading a guy to Cleveland doing right by them. I say this as a Northeast Ohio native. That's <laughs> that, would that qualify from, from a basketball perspective? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I, you know, I think, I think one, he'd be a great fit. I, uh, you know, he's, he's used to coming off the bench. He's used to being a floor spacer. Um, yeah. He's a, he's a good vet. Like, you know, I haven't, I haven't spoken to, to Gordon about it in particular, but I, I think that, you know, he, he would be happy to move from last place in the Western Conference to right in the thick of things in the East. All right. So um, another team, Bon Temps. Guess who's very quietly gotten healthy, put some wins together, snuck into a pl- decent playoff situation. The Nick Nurse-led Toronto Raptors. We never talk about the Toronto Raptors on this pod. Uh, but here we are talking about the Toronto Raptors. We thought at the beginning of the year, the Raptors might be selling Fred Van Vliet, who's playing awesome and should be on the all-star team. They, they might entertain a trade for Pascal Siakam, who, by the way, now that he's back and healthy from his shoulder surgery, is playing excellent basketball. He's played great basketball mm-hmm. over the last uh, two, three weeks. And the Raptors are winning. Um, and I got to tell you, even though they don't have anybody coming to their games right now there's a three-week pause where people can't come to their games and and nick and other people have talked about how disheartening it is to not play with fans um there i don't know if teams are going to send everybody up to toronto with the reality that if you test positive up there you can't I mean, teams already haven't been teams already no. haven't been i mean they've been you know golden state took a bunch of their guys and sent them home and i mean that's 
I think that's going to be uh, that's home country, home country advantage right there. Well, (laughs) I mean, there's pros and cons to it. Like you said, right. You have no fans, which is tough, but I I do think, um, you know, especially as the NBA is reducing its COVID protocol, you know, uh, absence timelines, the fact that it, it could be longer, a longer time. If you test positive over there, uh, you know, across the border, I think it could impact things, but yeah, look, I mean, the Raptors coming into the season were one of these teams, sort of like Atlanta and these other teams, where we weren't really sure where, where they were going to go. Like you said, they had a bunch of veteran guys that could maybe trade. They obviously have Scotty Barnes, who's been fantastic, who is their long-term piece to build around. But, you know, Nick's one of the best coaches in the league, and they've had a bunch of injuries, but they're finally healthy. They play an interesting style. And like you said, they're now sitting in seventh, and, you know, they've they got have- a pretty tough part of their schedule. They have Garan Dragic, who's been away from the team. He has a $19 million expiring contract. So that would be the piece. Now, I don't know if there would be a desire to attach one of their other young players, Malachi Flynn, Precious Achua. Um, to a, well, they're to another a team that Eric Gordon would be a pretty nice fit on. Yeah. I mean, another yeah. switchable guy who can score. Like, you know, he would that'd be another interesting fit. And Dragic's money, like Rubio, sort of lines up with that. Yeah. So... Uh, definitely Toronto. Keep an eye there. Um, how about the surging Dallas Mavericks? Luca is back playing well, looking better. Although he tweaked his ankle Wednesday night. McMahon, the Mavs have won four in a row. They've moved up into decent playoff positioning. The uh, defensive that, uh, juggernaut Dallas Mavericks. Yeah. Uh, Porzingis is in health and safety. Um, but, uh, are the Mavericks buyers sellers? I don't know if sellers at this point are the Mavericks no, not buyers? they're they're not sellers. They're definitely you know they're definitely looking to be opportunistic. They're looking uh, to to make upgrades. You know they feel like you know when you have Luca, and especially assuming he's going to be better in the second half of the season as he plays his way into shape, gets healthy, and all those kind of things. Uh, when you have Luca, you at least have a chance. Plus, when you have Luca, you you know you better. Uh, put your chips in and, and, and try to win because you don't want to get three or four years down the road and have him think, Hey, uh, why haven't we done anything? Why haven't we uh, been able to make any kind of a playoff run? So, you know, the, I think the, the issue is uh, you got to give to get, and I don't know that they've got real attractive assets. You know, they still owe uh, one pick for Porzingis. So, you know, any picks would be uh, further down the road. Um, you know, and then I think their their most attractive players uh, in in the trade market don't make much money. You know, there's a lot of teams that would love to have Jalen Brunson. Um, I have a hard time envisioning how trading Jalen Brunson on a you know on the last year of his rookie deal for relative chump change by NBA standards. And he will and he will be unrestricted. Am I correct? Yeah. Or is he restrict? He will be unrestricted. He will, he will be. Yeah. And, and, and right. you know, Bobby Marks can, can break down exactly why that is, but the, the way his uh, rookie deal was structured as a second round pick, he will be unrestricted. And by the way, how, how are the Mavericks able to keep their heads above water when, uh, when Luca missed 10 games due to left ankle soreness slash conditioning uh, slash COVID <laughs> Jalen Brunson averaged 21 and seven extremely yeah. efficiently during that stretch. He is. And now he's, He's starting alongside Luca. You know, Dorian Finney. How much did Fred Van Vliet get paid? Well, I think that's a pretty solid comp. Because if I was Jalen Brunson, I would have that contract in my hand. And that's, you know, they could they could only sign him that he could have extended last summer, but they were limited how much they could have paid him. Yeah. Or no, could they have I don't know? I think I think it was I think it was 55 mil over four was the most they could have given him. Yeah. And and they didn't, they weren't aggressive trying to make that happen. Um, just like they weren't aggressive trying to extend, uh, Dorian Finney Smith, who, you know, everybody in the league is looking for defensively versatile, uh, three and D guys, yeah. role players who understand how, you know, what their role is, how they can help teams. Dorian Finney Smith, the epitome of that, um, Had a great game last night against the Warriors too. Yeah. He's, 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 but he's only making four mil and, you know, he's a guy who he's going to get at least the mid-level. The Mavericks certainly would be happy to give him. 10 million a year going forward. But again, so one reason they weren't aggressive in trying to extend those two guys is because if you extend them, then you can't trade them. And so should something pop up where they would be able to get a star uh, in trade, they wanted to have the flexibility, not that they're looking to get rid of those guys, but they they didn't want to be handcuffed. Um, But again, I just, 
Nico Harrison, first year GM. Um, there's going to, I think it's going to take a lot of creativity for them to be able to make a significant upgrade via the trade market this season. All right. Bon try. Last, before we go, uh, your hometown, Boston Celtics, um, continue to just middle despite a lot of talent on the top end of the roster continue to just middle. Um, right now they're under 500 hanging on to the last play in spot. Um, yeah, tied with the Knicks who they play tonight. Um, not sure what they're going to do. Um, I don't think, as you have said, I just don't think it makes any sense to break up Tatum and Brown. I think you should exhaust that mm-hmm. pairing, and they're nowhere near exhaustion. But I'm not right. sure what they're going to do, and they're in the tax. And I'm not sure if if I'm the owners of the Celtics that I'm happy about paying the tax for a team that's in 10th place. Yeah, I mean, look, they're, I think the, the Celtics and Mavericks are in very similar spots where they've got guys that you want to build around. Obviously, Dallas has Luka. Celtics have Tatum and Brown. Um, but then they have a lot of questions about how they're going to add the pieces around those guys that are going to get them to the, where they want to be, right? And like Tim said about Nico Harrison needing to be creative to try to find the ways to do that, the Celtics have their own first-year head of basketball operations and Brad Stevens, who – is going to have to be, like we talked about last week, it's going to have to be similarly creative in trying to find ways to do that. My idea was to, you know, throw a James Harden-esque package, like what the Rockets got for him at, for Ben Simmons. But, like, obviously that's just an idea for me. But, like, they're going to have to try to make creative moves that are sort of out of the box like that to try to get to that level. And you make a good point about the tax. It's going to be very interesting to see what the Celtics decide to do. Their owners have always been willing to spend money, but – are you going to be willing to be in the tax to be a team that's probably going to lose in the first round or maybe lose in the playing tournament or maybe not even make the playing tournament, right? That's a, um, that's going to be very interesting to follow. And they're, they're far enough over the tax that for them to get out of it is going to cost something. I mean, I think they're six or 7 million over. It's about what Dennis Schroeder makes. They also have watcher Hernan Gomez who's making several million dollars in dead salary. It's going to cost some money to get rid of him. Um, or it's going to cost something to get rid of him, I should say. So yeah, they have some, you know, it's they're. They're another one of these teams. It's going to be very – I'm very curious to see how Brad Stevens handles these next several weeks because they they could go in a lot of different directions. They could do a lot of different things. And, you know, it will give us some indication, I think, of where Brad's head is in terms of where this roster is going, which as of now, I don't think we have a great sense of what he thinks of it. Yeah, yeah, I tell um, you what, I, I'm, I'm also curious about the guy who used to be the boss man in Boston, uh, what Danny Ainge is, is going to do with the Jazz. Yep. Um, are, are they willing to p- potentially sacrifice offense and they're the best offense in the league by a wide margin to upgrade their perimeter defense? That's, that's certainly worth keeping an eye on. Well, what do they have totally. to trade? I mean, who are they trading though? Because, you, uh, you know, Joe, the, the Joe only Ingles go- is an expiring $14 million contract. Would they trade Joe Ingles? They almost did this summer from what I understand. Okay. Um, they almost did this summer. Um, For who? Well, that I don't know. Okay. But I know there was certainly discussions. Um, well, it's like you said a bunch, Tim, right? Go back to last year in the playoffs. People went crazy about Rudy Gobert in the playoffs. Rudy Gobert wasn't why they lost in the playoffs. They lost in the playoffs because yeah. couldn't guard anybody on the perimeter. And they would probably argue at the time it was because Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell were hurt. But they built their team around the fact that they, they added all this offense, and then they had Rudy stopping everything at the rim. And if you yeah. can't stop any ball, ball penetration from the perimeter – or dribble penetration, you're not going to be able to stop anybody in the playoffs. So, you know, they haven't really fixed that. So they're going to find a way to do it. Like, well, they, if it, well, they, if have they do, guys, it's going to cost something. They have I, some, some role players would have value. I mean, Joe Ingles certainly has value. Royce O'Neal would have value. Well, see, Royce O'Neal would be going the wrong way because he's, he's the guy who, you know, he has to, uh, the holes that Rudy doesn't plug defensively, they try to, you know, he's basically, okay, one through four, you're guarding the best guy. So they need somebody else to, to help him. Um, Boyan Bogdanovich, you know, and, and listen, he, he just had a brilliant, well. he just he had a brilliant well on that offense. Yeah. Again, they're, they're the best offense in the league by about five points per hundred possessions. And I think the question is, you know, is there a move that makes sense for them that would have them dip a bit offensively, but, significantly improve their their odds of being able to uh, compete defensively in the playoffs. All right. Well, this is just the beginning, unfortunately, of uh, lots of trade discussion. Um, 
lot more coming. Thank you to Bontemps. Thank you to McMahon. Thank you for listening. Check out our Tube Collective shorts um, coming up uh, on our YouTube channel. And everybody have a great week. That's a video, not like the Bart Simpson eat my shorts thing. (laughs) Boy, that was a great pop culture reference there. I, I, that was a six, I was in sixth grade. That joke. That joke. I'm I'm good with the (laughs) nineties, baby. Uh, All right. Thank you for listening. Enjoy your weekend. Talk to you next week. Adios, amigos. Yeah.